All right, so let's, uh, let's open up today Matthew chapter 16. Still got the banter out of the way as the baskets were going down. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be uh, preaching a little bit out of today. We'll be jumping around to a couple different things, but it's kind of the anchor of the message. And so we are now, you know, kind of sort of finished the Holy Principle, Holy Land sermon series. And we're going to move on into new places. And so I was just asking the Lord, like, well, where do we go from this, uh, this sermon aspect that we were dealing with? I feel I'm leading me into this place. So Matthew chapter 16, which actually relates a lot to, well, everything and what we were studying last week. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Yeshua, Jesus, said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Pretty legit. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So, Father, we just come before you and we just ask, Lord, that through this message, through our lives, that we would be people who would say, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to surrender it all to you. And, Lord, I just pray for minds, I pray for hearts, I pray for spirits that should be open to receive this, particularly those who are already in the church that may need to be reminded. Amen? Yes. Amen. So, I'm not sure if you heard the music that was being played during the meet and greet. You know what was going on or no? Yeah, it had a little, a little groove to it. So, my, my favorite singer, uh, Robert Zimmerman, also known as Bob Dylan. All right. Changed his name because he was Jewish and in Hollywood they are saying it's probably not a good idea for you to have that name. So, he changed it to Bob Dylan. Interesting enough, he uh, changed his last name uh, to Dylan after uh, Dylan Thomas, the great Welsh poet, which is part of the British Isles. Whoa. So he has this, he has this period. I don't know where he's at now. Uh, Ellis and Anna Hirschman, if you can believe it, have actually like, had communications with him throughout the years. Because Ellis is a big uh, musician, those of you who don't uh, know that. Um, does insurance on like Bon Jovi. I think he's actually insuring Bob Dylan's instruments now, right? I mean, it's like crazy. Yeah, like he's had dinner, I believe, with, wow. with him, I think, like years ago. Whatever the case to be, uh, Bob Dylan has his time where, where he actually confesses the Lord. I, don't know, I honestly I don't know where he's at now. You know, I've heard different things. But 1979 to like 82, 83 was his like born again moment. Like, he actually had a gospel Christian, if you will, songs. And one of the songs that he has is you got to serve somebody. And so here it is. Uh, the lyric there. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so here's, here's the thing, guys. Mankind is designed, spiritually designed, to serve someone or something. Everyone surrenders. Everyone serves something or somebody. It's, it's a law of humanity and spirit. Could be a substance. Could be a God, lower G. Uh, it could be a, a thought. You actually can serve thoughts. An ideology. 
or a framework of the mind itself. Okay? And so this is the way it's built. So here's the real issue with this. What you surrender to doesn't matter if it's like some ancient god of Baal or it's a, you're bowing down to a thought that you have about yourself. Whatever you're surrendering to becomes your master. And your master becomes your God. Now today, finally, you know, we can take this and we say, yo, King Jesus. I really want to talk to those people who have actually confessed the faith. And I want, I want to really ask a question to us. Like, all right, what do you surrender to in your life? Well, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, fine. But what do you surrender to? What kind of mindset do you have? Is it a mindset that, that's it's in line with, with Jesus? Is it a mindset where I'll take Jesus, but also take what I want and have it like work in harmony? Well, that's not what it says. Lay down your life. And if you're not laying down your life, that means your life is being lifted up. And that means that you are not surrendering. And it means that you are lifting up your life, which means that you are serving yourself, which means yourself is thy God. So I really want to talk to the church today. It's a good reminder. A good, good reminder. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, here's the thing, you know... um, Not everyone wants to surrender to anything. It's kind of a a silly thing because everyone surrenders somehow to something. But sometimes there's people who are like, no, I'm not going to surrender to anything. I'm going to have control over my life, control over things. Fine, I get it. And it's actually, there's a kind of a dark German philosophy behind this by Friedrich Nietzsche. It's called the, uh, the will to power. He called it will zur Macht, the will to power. And this is, Really disturbing because it really causes you to look at yourself and be like, do I do that? I, I teach this in high school to some of the advanced kids. And we, we talk about it and they're like, no, it can't be true. I'm like, I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying that a, one of the greatest minds, if you will, in philosophical thought said this. And what does he say this? He says, everyone has a desire to power over others. To power over, to have control over. It's a human condition. It actually says that everything is done uh, for some kind of selfish gain, selfish means. To construct and create your own reality. And you're like, no, that can't be true. All right. Like I'm saying, I'm not saying it is true. I'm going allow it just to settle. All right, you're married, you're dating, whatever. You buy your spouse or your, your girlfriend a bouquet of flowers. Why? Why? Oh, because I just want to be generous to her. Cool. Nietzsche would say, no, you're not actually doing that. That's the surface level. What you're really doing is you are inflicting power of control to win her affection. Good deeds actually may be done for selfish reasons. I know, people are like, no, it can't be true. I'm not saying it is true. I'm saying it's a very interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, I... I kind of think in like most cases, if not all, you're not surrendering completely. So things are done for selfish reasons, right? Good deeds, things that you're doing fine. You know, we could talk about that and you're like, oh, I don't know if I quite get this. Just think about it like, hi, honey, let me do this for you. Are you really doing it for them or are you doing it for yourself to receive the love, to receive the affection? I got one guy that's like, yeah, it's 
Thank you for your honesty, Al. No, you go, feel free, man. Because you know, people are like, what the heck? That's the next point. Yeah. Right. And I'm only saying yes because I said to Dave at the beginning of the thing, like, man, that worship was killing me. It was destroying me. Because, it, because the, the worship sets us up for this word, right? It's like, I'll lay my life down. Have you? I mean, really. For his benefit. Because he wants to. Not because I think yeah. Amen. Well, here, here's the thing. So, you know, you were talking about we can take it into the natural, like good deeds, doing good things for other people. Are you really doing that to, to feel control? And if you f- get love back, it's an element of control and power that you have over another person. You hear what I'm saying here? Like when you're in a love relationship with someone, there's an element of power that you have, naturally speaking. That's not the love of the Lord. It's not. That's not how the Lord loves, right? And so we have to dismantle that. We have to talk about that, right? But it's so subtle. People don't think about this, right? A will to power. Like, what the heck is this guy talking about? I mean, that guy's an atheist. Well, he's speaking some truth. So, you know, the next level to this is what Alan was talking about. Can we do this in the kingdom? Can I preach the good news? Can I worship? Can I do things right before God in order to earn my prestige before him? And now you're trying to have power over him. If I do this, I can cajole you to favor me more. Look, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who do that and don't even register because they're, they're so fooled. So tremendously fooled. And it's very delicate. It's very coy. Because it's, it's wrapped in sugar. It appears to be right. Well, it, there is good. There is good in it. Absolutely. But the deep down intent may not be where it's supposed to be. It's good. Let's see how the Lord is operating in this. You know, he continues in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, one of my favorites. <clears throat> but Jesus called to them himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles... The nations lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What we see here is this, you even see this kind of will to power struggle that, that Jesus is talking about. It's like, do not lord over people. To lord over someone is to have dominion over them, to have control, to have power over that person. The reality here is this, I cannot force or power over anyone to do anything. I do not own you. But we do it all the time. Conjole someone, 
convince someone, manipulate someone, cover it with honey to make it sound and seem right. But you are really trying to control to get power in the relationship. I cannot force you even in the most subtle of ways because if I do, I'm not living out the power of the gospel. The gospel is do not try to force and convince. Actually lay your life down and then people will see the light inside of you. It's like Jesus. Jesus like never, it drives me nuts when you have like evangelists that try to convince people to, to serve Jesus. Jesus very rarely convinces people. He just shows up and people are drawn and he's like, yeah, you don't want to follow me. If you do, right? Can't love your mother, can't love your father, you have no place to live, you, know, you, have, to place, you have no place to put your head, like, you know, like a foxes, and you know, like all those imagery, right? Like, he doesn't convince people, he's actually like, yeah, you don't want to follow me. But then evangelists are always trying to, let me convince you to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't even try to convince people. He just shows up and does stuff, and people are like, I want this guy. He's like, no, you don't. You don't want me because you have to lay down your life. There's a lot of people that want Jesus because they've been convinced of him. To get him, you have to lay down your life. Come on. But it's a message that I think, I don't like forgotten. It's good. So why, why is it that we can't have dominion over people? Why is it? It really comes down to this. We are free beings made in the image of God. So if you're forcing someone, you're forcing someone who's in the image of God, then therefore by detraction you are forcing the God, God's representation inside of them. We are free beings made in the image of God. That, that's why you're free. You're, you're not supposed to be coerced. You're not supposed to be forced. Another thing, it's the way of the Gentiles. Now, a lot of translations don't like that because a Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish. So they train, change it in some of the translations to nations. Kind of the same. Nations, but a Gentile. It's the way that the Romans do things. It's the way that the Greeks do things. They lord it over you and force you to do things. But we are people that are not like that. And Jesus is reminding them in the context of what's going on. Another piece of this puzzle of, of why we cannot do this is because lordship is an element of force. And here it is. If I force someone to do something, a wife, a friend, Kids, I would, I would argue, and there might be a little bit of a different thing, right? There's a training ground. You're just not going to do that because I told you not to do that, right? There, there's, there's a difference, right? But when you become like a, a sentient being, when you're of a place of like free thinking, like you can no longer force. That's the power of a bar mitzvah, right? At the age of 13, all that kind of stuff. Like, at some point, your kid becomes an adult and you can't be like, yo, I have to force you. So what happens here is this. If I force someone, he has now become my subordinate. If you are my subordinate, I become your master. Then, therefore, I've become your God. I can't force you. You can't surrender to me. I, you can't just be in subordination to me. Some of us, by nature, just don't like being in subordination because it, it speaks to something. But there is a difference here. We are to submit to one another in love. But we do not surrender to one another. There's a difference. Submission in love is an action. Surrendering is a status of the, of, of the, of the being. Wow, that's good. So we submit to one another in love. Those, those are actions, right? 
I want to go to a steakhouse. My wife wants to go to some like chic whatever restaurant. All right, I'm going to submit to that, right? Al and I are in conflict about, you know, something with the church. Well, okay, well, you know, there's a submission that happens, right? But it's not a surrendering of the being. When you become someone's, when, when, when you become someone's master, they're surrendering a piece of their very being to you. And so when we act in these types of coercion and force, that is what happens. And that's bad. Because there's only one person that we are to ever surrender to. The king. Right? King Jesus. But everyone, like, you know, there's, it's, these are subtle things. And so really what today's message, the title of it is this, the will to surrender. The will. Instead of the will to power, how about a will to surrender? So let's go in the opposite spirit of the dark German philosopher Nietzsche. And let's say, we're not going to have a will to power. We're going to have a will to surrender. That's good. How about that? To explain this, let's, let's take a look at the garden. Because it goes all the way back there, this notion of surrender. Does he say you cannot eat of the tree of good and evil? Or does he say you shall not? You shall not. Old English, shall? What's the difference between shall and can? Everything. Can is you just, it's like against the law. Don't do it. Shall is an obligation of choice. So very, in the very beginning, in the garden, there's an obligation of choice of the spirit man, of the being. I'm not telling you it's illegal to eat of that. I'm telling you, you shall not do it because I don't want you to do it. And now it's your choice not to do it. If God did... I'm not speaking like the serpent, but what I'm saying is like, if it was a cannot, he would guard the tree with a whole bunch of angels and fiery this, that, and the other thing. He wanted to be there because he wants an obligation of the heart of desire to choose to surrender. That's good. That's good. God does not want a simple surrender. He wants a will, a desire to surrender. It's a shall not and a shall. It's a, a desire of the heart intent, which is completely different than can and cannot, but we no longer speak old English, so no one knows the difference. It's like may and can. All that. So, you know, in order to understand this, what is, what is this thing called surrender? So, in, in the West, we have this, this bad idea of what surrender is. Surrender is not failure, Weakness, defeat, or punishment. When you surrender it all to the Lord, it's not an act of, of a weakness. There's a strength that's there. What is surrender? Surrender is to yield ownership, to relinquish control. And the Lord is asking us and wanting us as a choice, will you lay down your life? Will you surrender I'm not going to force you to surrender. I want to see in you a desire of your will to come to him and say, I surrender. I yield my ownership over all things. Now, we may come to faith and we play this game. We play this game that I think is, is many times can be really the will to power. 
If I just look this way and do these things and act this way, I'm earning prestige before God and man. It's not what he wants. You know what I'm saying? Now, the other element to this surrender and laying down your life is, is surrender is actually worship. I mean, people have all these different you know, explanations of worship and they're really good. I, 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 just, I like to keep it somewhat simple and say surrender is, is worship. The Hebrew word, there's, there's actually kind of two or three in, in the Hebrew Bible, but shakha uh, is the word to worship or to bow down, right? To bow down. To bow down is you're, you're coming down low. You're being made low. You're surrendering to something. This is like the scripture verses where it says like Abraham bowed down to so-and-so. He's submitting himself. He's surrendering his being and his soul, in a sense, down to another being. And so worship is actually a surrender. It's a bowing down. That's good, Dave. So, look, you can sing songs and actually not worship. That's good. Come on. That's so good. You totally can. Christian karaoke, right? This is going to... You can pray and not be worshiping. That's good. Yeah. Because are you surrendering your prayers to the Lord? You can confess the faith and not be worshiping. It's good, Dave. It's got to be a complete bowing down, a complete surrendering of it all. And so there are questions that you have to ask yourself. Do you own you? Do you own your mind, your being, your soul? Do you own yourself? Or are you now purchased by the blood of Jesus? There's a lot of people in the church who still think they own themselves. I own my thoughts. I own my rights. I own what God is going to do with me. No, you don't. You have been purchased. You are now a bondservant of love to the Lord. You are no longer owning yourself. He owns you now. So you've got to lay down your life now because it's been purchased. Do you own your own thoughts? You know, this is, this is a theme all throughout the Bible that we kind of forget about. Example, Exodus chapter 23, verse 24. You shall not bow down, shecha, before their gods, nor serve them in any way. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones and pillars. You're like, oh yeah, we're going like to tear down the astropoles, tear down the, the, the images to Baal and all this kind of stuff. Fine. What about your image? Wow. Do you bow down to your image? Do you bow down to your own God, you? My rights, my wants, my desires, what I think is right, what I think should happen. There's a lot of people in the church who are bowing down. And what's so funny is because they talk to the lost about not bowing down to their things, but yet we ourselves are still bowing down. And we just cloak it with honey and make it seem to be like all Christianese. There's not much, you know, response, bro, but I love that you're here because it helps me. Fire! Fire. All right, cool. Thanks. I just want to make sure this isn't like too cerebral or something, you know, it's... All right. <laughs> it's all good. I'm just impacted by this, man, because, you know, I want to be free. 
Anyone here want to be free? Like, I want to be free from it all. Yeah. But if I lay my life down and, and I crash my car, it's now not a measure of how much. True story. Yeah, so if you're submitting to get, that's the will to power. I'm going to submit so I can get things from the Lord. A lot of people come to faith that way. You know, confess this prayer, and now you're not going to go to hell. Oh, well, that, now, now you're just, you're buying your way in, right? But if you do a submission, a blind submission of like, dude, whatever you want, things change. Mark chapter 10, Peter himself says this very thing. He says, we have left everything to follow you. The disciples leave everything. And look, in the church we're taught, like, we leave everything. That means you, like, you leave your old way of life. You know, maybe you leave some friends who are a bad influence on you. You're going to leave your sins at the door. Like, you're going to leave the, the old types of things that you were doing. Dude, he says everything. Which means your thoughts, your identity. You have to leave your identity, your thoughts, everything that you think about yourself. You need to leave it at the door. Because if you don't, you're just bowing down to your perception of who you are. And not bowing down to he who's made you a new creation. I get caught in that all the time. While I'm bowing down to what I think my perception of me is. Instead of bowing down to God who says that I am new and made new. You get what I'm saying? Many people surrender some, few surrender all. And God wants you to surrender all. And it's not just your external sins. It's, it's the way that you perceive yourself and everything that goes alongside of it. So I hope this little graphic may help you out a little bit. If you take a look, like the deepest part inside is the soul man, right? So a lot of people surrender, or at least try to surrender, you know, the external stuff. The sins that can be seen. You know, like, you shouldn't be doing this, Dave. You shouldn't be doing this. You All those things that, like, you know, you're not supposed to do as a believer, right? So you just don't do them anymore. And you surrender that, but dude, that's like, I'm just going to be real with you, that's weak. That's like so weak. That's like so religion. Really, there's a deeper side of you. There, there's, there's, what about surrendering the mind and your thoughts? And this isn't just like, oh, the thought of lust or the thought of anger or the thought of greed. I'm talking about your perception of reality. So let's just stop at like, oh, I can't have these like evil inclination thoughts. That's not what I'm talking about. That's like baby stuff. That's, that's like the milk of the word. I'm talking meat here. I'm talking about you surrender your mind to the point where your perception of reality is different. Like this city is up against the ropes. No, it's not. It's on the way up. Like it doesn't matter what people are like saying about me or what I see in the mirror because I'm not looking there. I'm looking at how he sees me. I just got to struggle and fight a little harder to get rid of the sins. I'm, I'm not even thinking about that reality because my reality is set on this, which says I, he's defeated sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And then therefore, like, I submit my mind to that and now well, I'm no longer be struggling in sin because it's gone. Because I'm setting my mind on that reality. 
So I'm talking about deeper stuff here. I'm talking about like a surrendering of the mind and the thought to the reality of what God says about you. And what the Word says that you can have victory in, in because of Messiah. We, we, we make it like we, we cheapen the blood of Jesus. We, 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 only, we only give him the easy stuff. I'm talking about like, you know, people getting like a terminal disease. And you're like, well, that's not my reality. I'm talking like that kind of level of stuff. I'm talking about like Peter and Paul who like get sentenced to jail and their reality is like, I don't care I'm in a jail. Like I'm going to proclaim Jesus. I'm actually happy that I'm in jail because now I get to, you know, now speak the gospel to you know, unreached people groups, soldiers inside of a prison. That's my reality. I mean, it's like, that's the kind of surrender. And then, of course, the soul man. A deep surrender deep inside of your being and your identity of who you are. I am no longer uh, David Greenockle Jr. I am like a, a new creation with a new identity and a new being. And, and it's like, I'm not even in that realm anymore, man. It's like, it's like the Matrix, for those of you who have seen it, right? Red pill, blue pill. It's the reason why it's the red pill, the blood of Jesus. Take the red pill and he is able to see and understand all things. Those of you that have seen Major. Great movie. A laying down life and a will to surrender is this thing of an inner surrender. And this is really what it means to be born again, people. Once again, I am speaking to the church. You know, all of us have confessed, like, I accept Jesus in my heart and I, I love him. and all. I'm talking to you right now. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, to be born again, to be truly a new creation, has to come out of a place of deep inner surrender. Of, yes, the external, but the mind and the being inside. And you say, it's all gone, whatever you want to do with me and have your way in me. And it's a changing the mindset of what you believe is possible and real in this world. That is really becoming a new creation. You think different. You are different. And it can only come out of a place of surrender. And this unfortunately usually happens when someone hits rock bottom. Some of the most powerful people of faith are those people who hit rock bottom. In my life, I never hit rock bottom. I was never in a rehab clinic. I was never to the place of like suicide. The Lord didn't save me out of that place. Those people that hit that rock bottom, they know the power of the resurrection. And I know it as well, but they know it to like another, I think, another level. Because usually inner surrender happens when there's no other way, there's no other possibility, and you're broken and undone before him. Paul being made blind. Come on. Jesus on the cross. Like there's nowhere else to go. I surrender, right? Let, it be, let your will be done. It is finished. But many of us who come to faith have never hit rock bottom. And if you don't hit rock bottom, there's an element where you may actually not still completely surrender to the soul, man, and your perception of reality to him. An addict needs to surrender that or they will continue being an addict. Like they get to a place like, I need the drugs, I need the drugs, I need the drugs, I need the drugs. And they're cracked, they're broken. And they're like, ah, like, and they get a new mind. They get a new mind. Because they reach a bottomless pit. Come on, Batman. You know, he climbs out of the pit. Got to do your Bane voice. Mm. Victory is the meaning. Yeah. Batman, like not built. I mean, there's so much imagery in, in literature 
And movies about this, but what happens if you don't hit rock bottom? You may not get it. You may not get it. But I do think there is, there's, there's a way, right? There's a way. But if you take a look at like when people hit rock bottom, they're all throughout the Bible. I mean, it's the people that you like, I don't want to say worship, but it's the heroes of faith. These are people who hit rock bottom and they become such unbelievable new creations. Because the phoenix rises out of the ashes. You've got to come out of the, of the, the abyss. But what happens if you never go into the abyss? What if you've never been there? What if you get saved when you're six years old and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you're 15? You're like, I don't know the abyss. That's good. But we need to work on you a little bit because I don't know if there's a complete inner surrender inside of your soul. Because you never saw the death. You never saw the pit. God wants to use you in mighty ways. He will bring you through that place. Moses. Great Moses. 40 days in the desert. A furnace. I've been in that desert, man. It is freaking hot. And there is nothing. No water, no food, nothing. And he is cast out into the desert for 40 days for a place of purging. The desert is a furnace drawing out not your weaknesses, but your strengths. See, we in the West, we like to lay down our weaknesses to the foot of Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about your weaknesses. He cares about your strengths. Moses, a prince of Egypt, sent to the desert. Why? Because every last piece, not of his weakness, but every last piece of his strengths had to be submitted in the desert, in the furnace, to be transformed and to be made ready, a vessel to be formed by God. We always lay our weaknesses at the cross. Lay your strengths down at the cross. I'm good at this, but I lay it down at you. That's what Moses had to do. And it's profound. It's powerful. Because when you lay down not just your weaknesses, but you lay down your strengths, the only thing left is God. And now he can use you. Now he can use you. And this is why Moses, when the armies of Pharaoh are coming, and they're at the Red Sea, and everyone's bugging out, what is he able to say in Exodus 14? Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He can't say that if he didn't go through that furnace. Oh, let's march up. Everyone, all right, get a rank up front. Get your spears out. Try to, he says, he's not even saying don't be afraid. He's saying stand still. Do nothing. Rely not on your strengths. And watch God go to battle for you. That is inner surrender but Moses could not have inner surrender unless he hit rock bottom the place not where your weaknesses fall off but your strengths fall off David a little bit different but David is similar right he, 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 he is being hunted by his father-in-law Saul he's then being hunted by his own sons right more or less right he runs out into the desert again goes down to the place of En Gedi and he's like, what the heck? I'm an anointed king. How can this be happening? But that's when you get a man who's able to recite and write the Psalms. Psalm 55, sitting by the wells of Angedi. 
Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. You know that when you've seen it because your strengths have fallen to the cross. People in the church, like to, we like to pick ourselves up on our, on our strengths. Jesus wants you to surrender your strengths. So it's not you that's doing it. Oh, Dave, I don't know if I can come up and pray in front of people. I don't know if I can like, give a word. The very fact that you think that you can't is why you need to. Because if you can't, Holy Spirit's going to come in you. The people who say, oh, i got a word, I know how to preach, I can do this. Those are the people who are like, maybe you should sit down, actually. Because it's too easy to rely on your... Come on, man, there's all professionals out there. that Not all of them, but some of them rely on their strengths. You gotta lay. You gotta. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> we lay it all down. At least that's the call. Now Moses and David were forced into a place of this surrender, right? In, in some regards. But the beautiful thing here is, I believe it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus willingly surrendered. So what if you've never known rock bottom? You still gonna have an inner surrender, and that inner surrender is gonna have a sweet taste. Because you never were forced to get to that place. You willingly give it to him. You shall give it to him. It's a place of obligation. I don't have to be made low into a really horrible place. You just say, I'm surrendering all things to you. But it's harder to do because you have to do it in the spirit. In the natural, you don't need to. You don't need to. You have to want to. Here's the reality. There is going to be a day of total surrender. Once again, I am talking to the church. There's going to be a day of total surrender. It will happen. It's either going to happen in your life on this side of eternity or on the other. We're all going to totally surrender to him at, at some point. You can do it now so you can use him. So you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're going to do it after the glory cloud. I want to do it now. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Lordship. What do I need to be saved? Not, not accept Jesus into your heart. It is, it is an acceptance of, yes, him in your heart and all that kind of flowering language. But it's a deep revelation and understanding and walking out that he is my Lord. He's not the guy I go to to get what I need and what I want during my difficult times. He is my Lord. He is my master. I lay all things down at his feet. That's what it means to be born again. Not like I just accept him. You're like, he has to become Lord. Of everything, laying it all down at his feet, even your strengths, even your weaknesses, even the good things, apparently. Mario, <clears throat> Mario, you just get ready. I, really, I want you to see the video I'm going to show because I think you're going to like it. But after the video, you can go right up there and get going. So, Try to wrap this all up. I have it in my notes. Conclusion. There is a beauty. A beauty. 
in surrendering. I'll be honest, I, I, I'm just going to be real with you. I have not met many people of faith who I look at their life and I'm like, oh yeah, they've surrendered it all. And it's not because they're poor and destitute. I mean like their being is, is so surrendered. I mean, a lot, you know, we, a, lot, a lot of us are doing well. We're doing good with it. We're trying. But I mean, there's a handful of people where I'm like, that dude... Or that girl has completely surrendered. I can just see it and feel it and taste it. There's a beauty in surrendering. Otherwise, the Lord would not want us to do it. And the beauty of it is largely freedom. To be truly, really free. But, some of us in this pursuit of being free, we, we get our hands caught in the monkey trap. Don't get caught in the monkey trap. Let's say it again. Don't get caught in the monkey trap. We can switch over to the computer screen. That's not good. Yes, right. Mario, maybe you can help. So the first thing is switch over to the projection screen. You have to keep uh, Song Show Plus open. Sometimes you just click on the, another part of that. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah, from the beginning. Thanks. The monkey trap. No sound. Calabash is like this fruit kind of gourd thing. Check this out. The way to catch monkeys. Yeah. No animals were harmed in the filming of this in 1912. No, you'll save proof. Oh, there you are. All right, man. 
capturing, they become fat. So, you know, the one part it says, due to their cupi cu cupidity, right, meaning like their love, the love of the object, the fruit that they're holding on to, or their stupidity. I wonder how many of us are trapped by our own desires. And we can't be fully free. And the only way to be free is to let go of it. Let go of it. I can't let go of it. Let go of it and be free. See, the monkey is trapped not by anything physical, but an idea. Unable to see that a principle that served him well has become lethal. Things that work for you. If I do this, I get this result, right? If I love on someone this way, I get this kind of feeling. If I work this hard, I get this kind of money. All of those things have shown themselves to actually serve you well. But they may actually have become lethal to you and have, have, have had you chained. I believe the Lord is just saying that what we need to do here is we need to, we need to let go of the control. We need to let go of the power. Because the power is going to control you. In subtle ways, and then more powerful ways. As the great Oswald Chambers, you've got you guys have read that, right? My utmost for the, for his highest, great devotional. He says we first must be willing to let go before we can grasp something else. We need to let go of the control of ourselves and the control of other people, so that we can be truly free in Him. And it doesn't come when you just hit rock bottom when the only thing you can do is surrender. It must and only come when you have a desire of the will, an obligation of the will that says, I don't necessarily need to surrender, but I desire to surrender because you're my Lord. You're my master. You've purchased me by blood and love. And I just want to come into your lap and sit at your throne and watch you be raised up and not my strengths be raised up. And it's something you got to do every moment because the flesh wants you to rely on your own abilities. But it comes a lethal tether of the soul. And so as Bob Dylan said, everyone has to serve somebody or something. And so freedom is a big, big, big reason for this. Because in freedom you can have life abundantly. In freedom you can have peace. But most importantly, when we surrender... He is glorified in our life. Amen? He cannot be glorified when you're controlling the experience, when you're controlling yourself. He's glorified and lifted up and seen through you when you become less and He becomes more, when there's a deeper inner being surrendered to Him. Because it's in that place that He can work through you and people will be able to see the brightness of your rising because the rising is not you, it's Him in you. And it happens because you chose to do it. Not because you were forced to. Because you had this obligation, a desire of the will. In closing up today, John chapter 10, 7 to 18. I just want to read this. I'm hoping this stuff's going to sink in about the inner surrender of man. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling, employee, and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Here, talking about the Gentiles. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down. Of myself because I have the power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again the command I received from my father you have the power like Jesus to lay down your life a deep inner surrender but we need to let go of the fruit which that monkey could not do and say I'm surrendering it all to you amen why don't we stand I'm just gonna pray and we'll see what the Holy Spirit's doing. Father, we just come before you and we want to be a people who don't have to be brought down to the abyss to surrender. We want to surrender now. We want to be a people that have a desire and a will to say, I'm laying it all down. I don't, I don't, it doesn't have to be about me. It doesn't have to be about my thoughts. I want to surrender to your reality, the power of the gospel. And I want to adopt that mindset and I want to adopt that kind of energy and that being, Lord, to truly be born again, to become a really true new creation. So, Father, I pray a release right now, a release of hearts and minds, spirits, who are going to say, I willingly just want to lay it all down, lay it all, all down at the feet, at the cross of Jesus. No more pretenses, no more fooling around, no more I'll lay part of it down but not all of it down. Or I'll just speak in ways and do external things so it looks like I'm laying it down. I'm talking about deep inner man's soul stuff that says I'm laying it all down. And so we're going to close out service right now. Do what you got to do. We have cafe and refreshments and all that stuff like we always do downstairs. But I just want there to be an invitation right now. Remember, I'm talking to the church. I'm not talking to the lost soul, per se. I'm talking to the church who's already been convinced by, by the preachers that if they just say this prayer, they're going to go into heaven. I'm talking to those people that say, man, you got saved, but have you laid it all down yet? Fine, you're saved. You got to the pearly white gates, but are you a disciple yet? Are you still holding on to the forbidden fruit? You still have that hand and you're trapped and you can't be free. I'm talking to that person. Forget about the external things. We're talking about deep inner surrender. It says, I am undone before you. I shaha, I bowed down my life, my mind, my spirit, my wants, my desires, my ego. I surrender it all down at your feet because you purchased me by the blood of Jesus. A bond servant of Christ. A new 
creation, dead to sin. I'm talking that reality. I'm talking about that truth. It needs to get down deep, but we need to surrender what we think about ourselves and what we think about the world. We need to surrender all of that to you and take on what you say about all of it. That invitation, just come on down. I don't know if we're going to lay hands on you or not. I don't know. But I just want, like, if, you're, if you want and you need to do this, just come on down. I don't care if you've been saved 30 years. I don't care if you're an usher, a pastor, a minister. Come on. Leaders probably have to do this more than any other people to keep themselves in check, keep their hearts pure, keep their spirits pure. So Lord, we just come before you with no coercion, with no force, just children, just brothers and sisters, no one greater than another, all being servants, just wanting to wash each other's feet. And we just come to you with a heart of repentance that says, Lord, there are things in me, like David says, my presumptuous sins that I didn't even know about because they're so deep, I didn't even know about the ego. I didn't even know about these things, but um, before I'm brought, brought down to the abyss, I give it to you now to be seated in heavenly places. Holy Spirit, come with a power of conviction, a power of anointing and conviction to set hearts and minds ablaze by the fire and the love of the Holy Ghost. We surrender all thoughts to you. We surrender all inclinations to you. We surrender the right to be right to you. Lord, we surrender the ownership of our life to you. And we say we just want you to be the owner. We want you to be the master again. Holy Ghost, come. Come so that no man could boast. Come, so no man could boast. A church, a people, doing shakha, bowing down before you. Create me a clean heart, O God. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Hearts and minds are pure before you. Release the fruit from your grasp. I just feel prophetically the Lord is just saying this, that there are people here, whether you knew it or not when you came in today, you were that, you're still that monkey. And as you know what the heck's going on, you're grabbing onto the fruit. And the Lord is just saying that there's an anointing right now for you to release the grasp and be free. Release the grasp and the ownership of life. Just release it to be free. So you're not some little pet that's being the entertainment for the spirit of the world. In Jesus' name. Whew.
Have a wonderful week. Feel free to just stay in the presence here. And just come before Him. And be set free. Have life abundantly so He could be made glorified and hallowed in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.